Investigation regarding who pied Kevin Owens in the face, the WWE Independence Day food fight three years ago today on Raw is still ongoing. I have my hunches personally, but it's still a mystery to this day who it was that pied Kevin Owens in the face. Happy 4th of July, folks, and welcome to WrestleRant Radio for July 4th, 2019. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and enjoying the holiday. Hopefully you're listening to this after all the festivities you're enjoying on the 4th of July or beforehand and not during, but if you can gather around with the family and friends on the holiday and listen to the show, well, that's great, too. Um, if you're a newcomer to the show, Real American is not our regular intro. I just did that as a one-off because of the 4th of July. And if you're living outside of the United States, well, I hope you're having a great Thursday. Um, It's been a very busy, chaotic, entertaining, exciting last few weeks here on WrestleRant Radio. So two weeks ago, we had the Women of Honor from Ring of Honor, world champion Kelly Klein on the show to talk about Ring of Honor best in the world last Friday. Last week, we had the Ring of Honor world television champion on to talk about best in the world. And now this week, we have another Ring of Honor star, the latest and newest member of Villain Enterprises, as revealed at Best in the World last Friday, Flip Gordon. Um, He's a former Northeast Wrestling star, former Northeast Wrestling heavyweight champion. I talked to him as part of my uh, article for Bleacher Report a few weeks ago covering Northeast Wrestling. Flip Gordon has had a lot to do with their success in the last couple of years. So I talked to him for the piece. We recorded this great interview talking his time in NEW. But not only that, his rise to superstardom and Ring of Honor and beyond. So the interview runs about 22 minutes. And I I felt it was fitting, too, to air the interview on today's episode, considering that he served. And uh, it it just sort of makes sense. Also coming off the uh, great moment at best in the world when Marty Skrull revealed that um, Flip Gordon would be joining the ranks of Villain Enterprises alongside himself, Brody King, and PCO. So we're going to be talking to Flip Gordon today about all things Northeast Wrestling and Ring of Honor. Very good interview. Flip was uh, very gracious with his time. Uh, So we have that today. But I should also mention this. This past week was a big one for WrestleRant Radio. Um, The two articles will be going up on Daily DDT next week and this week. So I had two great interviews, one first on Monday with the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis, who I've actually interviewed before here on WrestleRant Radio, Um, and that interview was a long one. I think we broke it down into like two parts over three years ago. It was recorded right after he left Impact in 2015, and now he's the current NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. So uh, I reached out to him for an interview. He got back to me almost immediately, which was really cool. We talked for almost an hour on Monday, about all things NWA, AEW, why WWE didn't work out, him leaving Impact years ago. So really giving us all the information and everything he's been up to since we last talked three, four years ago. Um, an awesome interview that will be airing here on WrestleRant Radio, I decided, in two weeks' time. So as I've said before here on the show, I'm leaving for England on Monday, July 15th. So literally, I'll probably be watching the Extreme Rules pay-per-view on Sunday the 14th, going to bed, waking up, leaving to the airport for my trip to England for the next week and a half. I'll be gone from the 15th to the 25th, which just so happens to be a Thursday. I really don't want to come back and record an all-new episode the Friday that I get back. I have no idea what time I'm getting back on the Thursday. Probably won't be early. Um, So what I decided I'll do is air the Nick Aldis interview. And I guess it's fitting, too, also because he's a you know, a a British heavyweight wrestler, the current NWA World's heavyweight champion. So what better way to celebrate my time over in the, uh, you know, from across the pond than by airing my interview with the NWA World's heavyweight champion, the national treasure himself, Nick Aldis, who was in action at Best in the World last Friday, which I'll talk about momentarily. Um, So I believe I'll be airing that here on the show in two weeks. That will be up in article form before then um, on Daily DDT either... Friday of this week, Saturday. It was a long interview, so I have to pick apart what I want to publish in the piece. Um, So that will be up very, very soon on the website. And then the following week, another, you know, bombshell I broke on Twitter, I dropped on Twitter on Wednesday, 
I actually talked to, on Wednesday, former WWE superstar, the big guy Ryback, one of my personal favorites. I've been a fan of his since day one. It was awesome to talk to him on Wednesday afternoon. And get this, it was the longest interview I've ever done. It clocked in at around a minute and 16, 17 minutes. It was a really long interview, but a great one. We talked all about his WWE departure, what he's been up to since. And Ryback was another one. He was another guy that I interviewed years ago. Right around the time I actually talked to Nick Aldis. But that was part of a WWE conference call. So we really only talked about SmackDown moving to USA Network. The possibility of the brand split coming back and all this other cool stuff. But it was a WWE call. So it really wasn't as unfiltered as it could have been. And it was a great interview and I hold it in high regard. And I really appreciated the opportunity to talk to Ryback at that point. But I wanted to kind of, you know, get inside his brain, see what he's been up to, and, you know, really get his thoughts in the world of wrestling right now with so much going on between WWE, AEW, his thoughts on the entire thing, again, his injuries, leaving WWE, and so much more. He's got a podcast, nutrition line, uh, YouTube channel. He wrote a book a couple years ago. I actually reviewed it for the YouTube channel about two years ago. Um, so wanted to break down everything with the big guy himself. And I did just that on Wednesday. Again, came out amazingly well. And again, that interview was over an hour long, which is pretty much one episode of Wrestle Rant Radio. So I'll probably be airing that episode, that interview with Ryback in three weeks time here on the show. But that should be up in article form next week before I leave on Daily DDT. Again, breaking down his WWE departure, his thoughts in the current WWE system, people wanting to leave, his injuries, and everything else he's been up to in the last couple of years. Um, very much appreciate the time from Ryback to sit down. Not really sit down. We were talking over Skype, but um, you know he didn't have to do that, so I, I really appreciated the time. And that will be airing for you guys to listen to in three weeks' time here on Wrestle Rant Radio. So I've gone this long without talking about where you can listen to WrestleRant Radio. Obviously, if you're listening right now, then you know exactly where to find the show. But for any new listeners, we're available not only on NextAirWrestling.net, which is the original host of the show, but also on iTunes. If you simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. So we're on Apple Podcasts, but I realized, hmm, just like a week and a half ago, not everyone has an Apple phone. Now... I'm an idiot. I should have realized this long ago. I have no idea why I didn't do it sooner, but we are now available not only on the NEW website as well as iTunes. We're also now on iHeartRadio. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're on Google Play. For you Android users out there, I believe that's how you can listen to podcasts. We're on Google Play. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're all over the place. So if you're not listening, if you don't have a, you know, uh, an iPhone, if you don't have an app, if you don't have an Apple phone, you can listen to the show literally anywhere else. So check it out on any one of those platforms. Again, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. All that stuff is greatly appreciated. So after the Flip Gordon interview airs, we'll get to my thoughts on the Ring of Honor Best in the World show from Baltimore last Friday. Then my thoughts on AEW Fighter Fest from Daytona Beach, Florida on Sunday. And then if we have any time left after that, I'll break down the news that literally broke right after I fucking published this show last Thursday. Uh, Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff respectively being, the named, respectively being named the new executive directors of Raw and SmackDown. So basically the new creative heads of each show. Uh, with the exception of Vince McMahon, who still has clearance on everything that runs on his own television shows. But beyond that, they are now in charge um, of Raw and SmackDown creatively. So I'll talk all about that, my thoughts on Raw and SmackDown from this week. Were they any different from normal? We'll talk all about that in the second half of the show. In the meantime, guys, enjoy my exclusive interview with former Northeast Wrestling Heavyweight Champion and current Ring of Honor star, the newest member of Villain Enterprises, Flip Gordon. And we're back, guys. Graham, Jesus, and Matthews here of Bleach Report with another exclusive interview. Today, we're talking to Ring of Honor star and former Northeast Wrestling champion, Flip Gordon. Flip, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. 
Of course. So when I was going down my list of people that I think are synonymous with Northeast Wrestling as they approach their Waterbury show on the 14th, Brass City Brawl, uh, one of the first people that came to mind was yourself, like I said, a former Northeast Wrestling champion. I kind of got exposed to your work a few years back through Chaotic Wrestling. Um, I, I had seen you at a show in Lowell, Massachusetts. I got to interview after the show about like wrestling injuries, something super random like that. So I've been a fan of yours ever since that point. And, uh, and then I saw you pop up in Northeast Wrestling soon after. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on how the uh, Northeast Wrestling opportunity came about. Absolutely. Um, so I actually got the opportunity to work for Northeast Wrestling um, on a weekend where I had drilled for the Army. And it was supposed to be this one match, and a guy pulled out, and somebody knew that I was in the area, and they messaged me, and they were like, hey, can you make this show? And I was like, I'm at the drill for the Army, but let me see if I can get out early, and I can do it. So I went up to my sergeant, and I asked if I could get out early. I explained that it was, because this was in uh, Newburyport, Massachusetts, up north a bit. So maybe like 45 minutes from Lowell. Mm -hmm. And uh I was like, please, I really needed this opportunity or whatnot. And it was on a stadium show for Northeast Wrestling. And I ended up working Donovan Dijak that night because uh, the Army let me wrestle. And that was my opportunity into Northeast Wrestling. And then I've been a regular there pretty much ever since. And that's a match on paper. You versus Dijak, that sounds like it would mix just perfectly, just with your respective styles and whatnot. Was it that op- after that opportunity that either uh, Michael Lombardi, obviously the president of Northeast Wrestling, or someone else important behind the scenes saw what you could do, was like, yeah, we're definitely bringing this guy back in the future? I think that was absolutely what it was. And it was cool because me and Donovan Dijak had had so many wrestling matches up to this point. Because he's like, when I first broke in, I wrestled him literally almost every weekend. So at this point, we had wrestled at least seven to ten times, so it was just easy, and he went in there trying to help me get a job, and it was, it was really cool. And it wasn't and long... it was a really fun match, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, you and Dijak, like I said, it just seems like a, a match on paper that just sounds like it would be incredibly fun. I've been to shows before where you guys work three ways and four ways and stuff like that, which is super awesome. You guys have great chemistry together. And it wasn't long after, too, that you guys were working together in NEW. I mean, I think by that point, Dijak was already in Ring of Honor, uh, but you started working with Ring of Honor either around that time, if not shortly thereafter. So how did that opportunity come about? Did it stem from your matches and time in NEW? Uh, it was really cool because uh, in Northeast Wrestling, uh, we got to use a lot of Ring of Honor guys when I was coming up. Mm-hmm. And then even the booker uh, for Ring of Honor was around Northeast Wrestling. So when it came time, I obviously I got to try out at the Ring of Honor camp, but I think it was through Northeast Wrestling where I really built those relationships because even when the opportunity came to sign with Ring of Honor, and I had other options. I chose Ring of Honor because I already kind of knew some of the people that had worked there backstage because of the relationship with Northeast Wrestling. So it did definitely help. And it was it didn't really seem like you were with NEW for such a substantial period of time for many, many years. It only really seemed like you were there from 2016 through maybe up until last year, up until, up until you started working with Ring of Honor more full-time. But in that time, you made such an incredible impact, like I said, having held the title and whatnot. Uh, what are your, some of your favorite memories from working with NEW during your time there? Um, I got to wrestle Jushin Thunder Liger. I think I was like six or seven months into the business at the point. Wow. And Northeast Wrestling mm-hmm. was like, here, go wrestle this legend. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um, I got to wrestle uh, Pentagon Jr. I got to wrestle uh, Cody. Um, I actually won the Northeast Wrestling Championship in a triple threat uh, versus Cody and... Brad Hollister. Bacon. And yeah. after yeah, and after the match, Cody put the strap around me, which I, I have a cool picture of it, and that's something that I'll I'll remember forever because um, he taught me so much on the short period he was on the Indies, and then obviously in Ring of Honor as well. So it was really it was a real special moment. Yeah, I was there for that show. I think it was, yeah, like you said, you, Brett Hollister, and Cody in the three-way. It was right before, I think, Christmas 2017. It was towards the end of uh, 
that year, I believe. I was there for that match. Fantastic triple threat match. And like I said, you and Cody have obviously been very closely linked ever since that point. Obviously, Cody's moved on to now All Elite Wrestling, but you guys had a lot to do with one another in Ring of Honor, All In, in Ring of Honor itself, of course, uh, with getting yourself on the All In show. Did that? Was that where the relationship really started? Was it in NEW, or was it a bit of both NEW and Ring of Honor? I think it was a little bit of both. I think we, we met in Northeast Wrestling, and obviously um, he was the Northeast Wrestling champion at the time. And so being having him in the locker room and just seeing the way he wanted the vision he had for wrestling was really cool to see. Um, and then obviously going into Ring of Honor and working with him, uh, working with him more closely with like being the elite and Ring of Honor uh, was really cool. And, I and talk- that's where I felt like I learned the most. Mm-hmm. And I'll be, yeah, being on the elite, on being on being the elite over the last two years, uh, obviously your exposure has grown immensely uh, with those guys, with them, the Young Bucks, and everyone else involved with the show, which has been amazingly cool to see between that and Ring of Honor. Um, and over the last two years, it especially seems like towards the end of your NEW run in early 2018 or so, like when you were the NEW world champion. I spoke to Brett Hollister just earlier today, who had nothing but great things to say about you. Uh, he said from the first time that he had teamed with you, he kind of knew that you were going to be the guy in NEW before long, and obviously you were. Um, do you think kind of Cody had that feeling too, that you would be the face of NEW for a while when he lost the championship to you around that point in 2017? Do you think that Cody could have had anything to do with the decision for you to win that championship that night? Uh, I'm not sure, but I mean, he had nothing but nice things to say to me and words of encouragement. And um, like I said, very odd, whenever I had a question about anything to do with wrestling, he was always there. And he's like, he would always answer. He was like open book rule, you know? Mm-hmm. If you ask him a question, he's going to give you an honest answer based on his opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. Um, I love Brad Hollister. He's, he's one of my good buddies. And he he ended up having a really good reign after I did. Hopefully we'll be seeing him in Ring of Honor soon. That'd be great. Yeah, he'd be a great fit in ROH. Seeing you guys kind of rekindle that rivalry in Ring of Honor would be amazing to see at some point. And uh, obviously between Cody Rhodes and, you know, they have John Moxley coming up. They have him debuting at their upcoming uh, June 14th show. And everyone else that they've brought into NEW over the years. Like you said, you've had the opportunity to wrestle so many great opponents in NEW, including Jushin Thunder Liger, who's wrapping up his career soon. So to get that opportunity must have been really cool. And everyone else, um, was it one of those things, while the longer you were there, you kind of thought to yourself, okay, who else might they be bringing in next just so I can work with that person? Oh, absolutely. You're always checking because it was really cool with Northeast Wrestling because they always put on these bigger shows, especially during these summer months. They Mm -hmm. run stadium shows. They run bigger venue shows. They bring in a lot of uh, veteran guys, a lot of names. And that's your opportunity to learn because as soon as you get to work with all those guys, um, you're just like a sponge. Most of the guys, at least backstage, they just want to get this match um, to learn from these guys that have been to the WWE or been to other places. They want to get that opportunity, and then they want to get that tape so they can send it out, so they can try to get booked on bigger shows. And so it's, it's really cool because a lot of those guys coming in, they just want to learn the indie style if they're coming from like WWE, or they're just trying to, they want to have a good match as well. And, so, and they're, they're so hopeful, at least from the guys I've been able to work with. They're very, very, very willing to help and want to put on a really good, fun match. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's better wrestling, in my opinion. And what do you think brings those people to NEW? Between Cody Rhodes, John Moxley, there's been so many people who have come through NEW, not just made one-off appearances, but have made frequent appearances in... I think, I think it's just the consistency mm-hmm. on putting on good show after good show after good show. You know when you come to a Northeast Wrestling show, you know you're going to get you know those, those couple names, but you know you're also going to get a bunch of people you never heard of, but you know it's going to be good wrestling mm-hmm. every show you come to. And it exposes you to new people, new wrestlers, based off of the names that come in. And it, it's really given guys like me, guys like John, uh, Donovan Dijak, guys like Big Bacon opportunities because it's given us a platform just by being on the stage as some of those bigger stars. 
And I think another thing that NAW does better than almost any other smaller company that's not WWE or Ring of Honor out there is the fact that they kind of really break down the barrier between the talent and the fans. Like, obviously, they host the autograph signings for two hours before almost every single show. You'd be able to meet a lot of great fans and uh, a lot of people who have followed your career for a long time before those shows. Is that another thing that you feel that NAW does a lot better than some of the other smaller companies out there, especially you know, specifically out here in the Northeast? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot more companies are starting to do it, but uh, when I first started coming up, I felt like Northeast Wrestling was the first company that I noticed that was doing it. Like you said, those two-hour meet-and-greets before, um, which really gives you time to spend with the fans. You don't feel rushed. You don't feel like uh, like an hour intermission, or even 20-30 minute intermissions or nothing, especially when you have these big stadium shows. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really gives you time to meet uh, your fans and mingle uh, before the show, which not only gets you more amped up but gets you more excited for the show and it gets them more excited for the show because now they met you now they get to see you perform uh and it's really cool just to meet them before and then when you make your entrance to the ring being able to see a couple of the faces and then they wave at you and they're like oh like do you remember me and it's, it's really cool and mm-hmm. it, it adds the experience so much And between all these people that NEW has brought in over the years that you've had the opportunity to work with and being a top star there while you were there, um, was there any one piece of advice that you got from any of these people, probably Cody, and having worked with them so closely, that you received that you still stick with you, that still sticks with you to this day? Uh, Mainly just to have fun. I mean, as long as you're having fun, the fans uh, are going to be having fun. And then everyone's having fun. That's what wrestling's about, is about having fun. Because uh, we're able to do something that not, not a lot of people get to do, and we're living our dreams, so we should be having fun. And it's, it's a really fun sport, whether you're a spectator or a participant. So and mm-hmm. right now, wrestling's cooler than it's ever been. And do you think that's one thing that more companies should be doing more of? And it sounds silly, but just having more fun, it seems like NEW, Ring of Honor, kind of do that more than do that better than most other companies out there, specifically with you know WWE and places like that that feel too micromanaged and don't have that same atmosphere that Ring of Honor and uh, Northeast Wrestling do. Absolutely, because I mean, even when I was wrestling more independently other than Ring of Honor, there's some companies where I'd wrestle and like they'd want such like, a micromanaged match and it's like I thought you wanted to bring me in for me to wrestle Mm -hmm. not just to do like this weird storyline which I'm going to be gone next month so it doesn't really make sense Mm -hmm. Um, I just I mean me personally I want to have the freedom just to go do out out and do whatever I want because that's what I know I I I mean it's art I can just paint my canvas however I want and it gives me more you know if I'm constantly worrying about what I can and cannot do I feel restricted and I hate feeling restricted in my Mm -hmm. opinion and one of the first people, like you said, that you got to work with in NEW was Jack. And in the last two, three years since that point, you're now one of the uh, leading stars of Ring of Honor. Jack's now in NXT. It seems like a lot of the people who go through the NEW system, so to speak, have ended up in bigger and better places. I mean, Keith Lee, I mean, he was never really a regular in NEW, but he did a number of shows there a few years ago. He's in NXT. Matt Riddle's in NXT. A lot of Matt Taven, obviously, a former NEW champion, now the Ring of Honor world champion, who you've crossed paths with on a number of occasions in the last couple of months. Um, do you see anyone out of the current crop of talent that you know of in um, NEW right now, in addition to obviously Brad Hollister, because the guy's a star too, that you could see making that next leap to a place like an NXT or a Ring of Honor? Uh, I see Brad Hollister. I see uh, Christian Casanova. Um, trying to think. I haven't been there in a while, but those are two that are right up top of my head right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Wrecking Ball Ligurski. Mm-hmm. I know he's been working really hard. Um, he's been around for a little bit as well. Yeah, he's been around, I think, for then maybe three, four, five years. He's definitely been a regular there for a number of years. Casanova's another one, too. I think it's funny that you mentioned that. I think he was also at the show where I had seen you for the first time, one of those chaotic shows. He's kind of based here, seemingly out of the Massachusetts area, which is awesome. So yeah, they have a great talent, a lot of great talent coming out of there almost constantly. Um, and as we wind down here, final few questions for you. Um, what was one of your favorite matches while with Northeast Wrestling? Was it the match where you won the NEW title? Was it the Liger match or something else? Uh, one of my funnest matches, and I feel like we're just going to keep putting these guys over, but... <laughs> It was a triple threat with Big Bacon and uh, Christian Casanova. Yeah. 
It was actually my last match with Northeast Wrestling. And was that where Brad Hollister won the championship, or was that before? It was that well after? Uh, that was a different match later on because I, I dropped it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was just like my last match, and I wanted to have the last match with two of my best friends. So that was the match I got to have. Mm-hmm. Um, I later showed up when Bacon did win the strap. I later showed up to surprise him when he won it. Oh, I and, he, miss that. and he had no idea? No idea. I came down after he won it and, and shocked him in the ring. He he had no idea it was even there. I showed up right as his as as he was making his entrance, walked straight to Gorilla and watched it. Wow, that is super I love cool. Surprising people, I absolutely love it because I think it's really rare mm-hmm. and it's really difficult to pull off these days, especially with social media. Absolutely, so I love I love being able to surprise people. What kind of hoops did you have to jump through to make that happen? Um, well, being from there, it was pretty easy because I just texted a couple of the guys that was there, and I was like, "Hey, what are you doing tonight?" And just kind of didn't say I was going to be there, but said I was going to try to be there. Yeah. And then I was like, "Just message me before he goes on." And then I just made sure I was there early because mm-hmm. I don't like being late. Mm-hmm. And then I just made sure I was texting. And then as soon as I heard his music, I made sure somebody opened the door, and then I ran to grill. <laughs> That is amazing. Is that that that's got to be available somewhere, like on the NEW streaming servers or something like that, right? <laughs> it's got. I think it's through um, High Spots Network. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. If you wait after he wins it, you'll see me come down, and it's a it's a it's a the realest reaction as you can get because <laughs> he had no idea I was there. Amazing. Definitely going to have to check that out. So uh, as we wind down here, um, anyone else? You had a lot of great opportunities to work with a lot of great people while with NEW, and you've had a lot of great opportunities to work with a lot of great people currently in the Ring of Honor between Matt Taven, Jay Lethal. The list goes on and on. Um, um, and, any bucket that really helped me mm-hmm. met in Northeast Wrestling, believe it or not, was Nick Foley. Really? I met him at a show, and I came back through the curtain, and he was like, hey, what's your name? And just kind of sat down with me, talked to me for a few minutes. And he's like, can I get a picture with you? And mm-hmm. kind of tweeted it out. And that kind of got me a little bit of steam, which actually opened up a lot of doors for me later on down the road. Um, and so, like, he's always been the nicest person to me. Every time I meet him, he's the most nice, sweetest, humble guy. And he has no idea how much he's helped my career. So that's the guy. Without Northeast Wrestling, I probably wouldn't have the relationship I do with him. So... Yeah, Mick Foley's a great dude. He was he's even still to this day making regular appearances in NEW. Obviously, I think I'm pretty sure he's based out of um New York, Long Island. So I mean it's not too far of a drive for him. So that that's pretty cool. Um and obviously now in Ring of Honor, are there any bucket list items, not just items, but people you would like to work with in Ring of Honor and beyond as you kinda of go further in your career now? Ooh. So I've worked one of the Briscoes in singles. I have not worked the other Briscoe in singles. So you I work- work Mark Briscoe to singles. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Let's see here. Me and Cobb. I've never worked Cobb. Oh, I'm Cobb. waiting to see that one. Um, and then obviously I want to be a Ring of Honor World Champion. I want to be the best of the best. I want to be the. I want to be the top of Ring of Honor. That's my goal. And the opportunity is coming soon, I'm sure. Like I said, you got the championship shot against Taven just recently on the 400th episode, which is a big platform uh, for Ring of Honor. So that was awesome to see, and hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. Check that out. Two former Northeast Wrestling champions main eventing Ring of Honor episode 400. That's kind of cool. Two New England guys. Exactly. Absolutely. That's exactly it. That's kind of the star power that comes out of NEW, whether it be a Flip Gordon or a Matt Taven or a Jack or someone like that um, going forward. It seems like Ring of Honor, there's a lot of former NEW guys in Ring of Honor from what it seems. Also, Vinny Marcellia and TKR Ryan as part of the kingdom. I think Northeast Wrestling just has an eye for talent and they just they pick up those guys before anyone else does, mm. and they're able to kind of craft them and make them their own. And then when you put when you motivate guys and put them against really good wrestlers, they get better quicker because they're in there with top-notch talent. Mm-hmm. I think that's another cool thing, too, with NEW is that they're not just putting the people that are there for every show, someone like a Brian Anthony or 
like a Christian Casanova, like you said. Sometimes they do have those regular versus regular one-on-one matches, but when it comes time for the big shows, they're given the opportunity to work with those veterans, like a Matt Riddle who was there for a while uh, soon after you left yeah. last year. Had a lot of great and matches. They, and they gave, they gave me so many dream matches. Like, I got to wrestle Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's, that's one of the coolest matches that you could have at somebody growing up being a Rey Mysterio fan, you know? And they give, they, I mean, they give those matches time after time. And you'll, it's really cool because they motivate you. Because they don't give it to just the same person every time, like mm-hmm. you were saying. They, they kind of share it. So Ray Mysterio will come in and he'll work different guys, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not just the same guys. He's not just coming in and working another guy from the WWE. He's coming in and working other guys, helping get other guys over, having, having fun matches, giving back. Yeah, that's exactly it. Not just as NEW, like you said, don't. not only do they have an eye for talent with who's kind of coming up in the business, such as yourself, they're bringing in some of the best free agents out there who are fresh off of, whether it be a Ring of Honor or an Impact, WWE, what you know, what have you, and a guy like a Rey Mysterio who wasn't a free agent for very long, but he made a number of appearances for NEW, and I talked to uh, Lombardi just the other day, and he was saying that I don't think Rey Mysterio worked many other, if any other promotions, aside from NEW, before he went back to WWE last year. Yeah, not many that I know of, that's for sure. Yeah, and obviously seeing him being able to mix it up with you, either one-on-one or the tag team action match, I, I think you guys teamed together on the WrestleFest show. Was it about a year ago when yep. you worked with Joey Mercury? Correct, yep. So, and Joey Mercury is another guy. Were you able to learn anything from him during your, the course of your feud uh, last year over the NEW title? Oh, my gosh. I learned lots from that guy. And mm-hmm. I'm actually continuing to learn lots from him in Ring of Honor because he works backstage at Ring of Honor now mm-hmm. as a producer. So I'm learning on the road now with him. Again, another guy, too. I mean, obviously, he wasn't in NEW original, but he spent some time in NEW. Now he's been Ring of Honor, too. So for any of the NEW fans, it's kind of cool to see these people on their path to Ring of Honor and kind of hone their craft there as well. So, uh, yeah, fantastic stuff, uh, stuff, Flip. I very much appreciate the time. Um, anything else you'd like to plug before we go off the air here? Obviously, you're in Ring of Honor. You're almost on every single show. People could check it out on the Honor Club streaming service. You're on the Twitter machine as well, at the Flip Gordon. Um, anything else you'd like to uh, plug here, my man, before we go off the air? Uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, uh, it's all the same at the Flip Gordon, uh, Pro Wrestling Tees is ProWrestlingTees.com slash The Flip Gordon. Um, I actually have a Facebook page now as well. And guess what? It's the same. At The Flip Gordon. Perfect. Well, people can check that out, Flip. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it, man. And I'll definitely uh, catch you down the road. Absolutely, I appreciate it and wish you all the best. Special thanks to Flip for his time. Very much appreciate it. You can check out the full article that we were talking about in that interview where Flip Gordon's uh, quotes are included, as well as Michael Lombardi, who was on WrestleRant Radio about a month ago, and Brad Hollister, another former NEW heavyweight champion who will be here on WrestleRant Radio soon. Um, that interview will be dropping either this Thursday or in a couple weeks from now at some point in the not-so-distant future. Um, but again, thanks to Flip for joining us on WrestleRant Radio to talk all things NEW and Ring of Honor. Speaking of Ring of Honor, they had their best in the world pay-per-view last Friday in Baltimore, Maryland. A big topic of discussion among wrestling fans over the course of the weekend was the fact that Ring of Honor did not have very strong attendance. Now, I wasn't there. I don't know. I, I saw the exact same pictures that you guys did. I'm sure they don't have the greatest attendance numbers right now, but really, who does? WWE sure doesn't. Now, it might be worse for like a company like Ring of Honor because they're not quite as big as WWE, and WWE can, in some regards, get away, get away with it, um, even though people still notice anyway. Um, WWE's having att- attendance issues. Impact has always had attendance issues. Fucking even AEW, they're not exempt from this either. Um, there was a section or a couple sections tarped off at the Fighter Fest pay-per-view on Sunday. So again, oh, it's not a Ring of Honor issue. I think it's an all-of-wrestling issue right now. That definitely can be worked on. It definitely can be, you know, improved. And whatever, every company has their faults. But it should not deter you from watching the shows. Best in the world, I mean, I don't care about the attendance shit and whatever. That stuff is beyond my control. All I can do is just sit down and watch the shows and call them how I see them. And I thought this was a really good show. Another top-notch pay-per-view from Ring of Honor. On the pre-show, we had Roosh taking on the aforementioned Flip Gordon, WrestleRant Radio alum, um, in a great match. This was a lot of fun. Roosh ended up going over in a 10-minute match. Very exciting. 
a bit disappointed that it wasn't on the actual card, but for what it was, it was great. Also on the pre-show, we had Nick Aldis come out. He announced that Cole Cabana... I don't know if I talked about this last week here on the show. I'm pretty sure I did. That um, Nick Aldis' original partner for the pay-per-view, Colt Cabana, he got injured. He couldn't compete. Um, so he was supposed to bring out his new partner. Out came James Storm, who believed to be... He thought he was the new partner for Nick Aldis. Little did he know, it was not the cowboy James Storm. Rather, it was... Maryland's own Eli Drake. And I popped big for that one. I was not expecting Eli Drake. Now that I think about it, I think it was last week here on the show. Not that I predicted Eli Drake, but I think they had mentioned at that point um, that whoever was going to team with all this had officially announced that they were the newest member of the NWA roster. So Eli Drake is officially a part of the NWA, which is really, really cool. Um, And coming off his impact departure back in April... There were a lot of questions regarding where he was going to go, whether it was back to WWE, whether it was AEW. I'm sure AEW did have some interest in him. I actually talked to Nick Aldis about this. Again, cheap plug. The interview is going to be, uh, be up on Daily DDT within the next couple of days, and the audio version will be up on WrestleRant Radio within the next two weeks. But he had said, I talked about Eli Drake and how he teamed with Nick Aldis on this show. How did the process begin to get Eli Drake in NWA? Nick Aldis actually took credit for bringing in Eli Drake. Said he was the one who contacted Eli about coming to the NWA. He thought he'd be a fantastic fit. And I think he is too. Um, But he had mentioned in that interview when I talked to Nick Aldis that he had mentioned that Eli actually had an offer from one of the two companies that I brought up when I, you know, prefaced the question. I don't know if it was WWE or AEW, but he he made it sound, he confirmed that it was one of the two. I would assume that it was AEW, but it could very well have been WWE. Even Eli Drake has admitted that in in other interviews, like Chris Van Vliet and people like that, that he had offers to go back to WWE even after he left. Eli Drake got fired from WWE's uh, developmental territory, NXT, five years ago. Went to Impact almost immediately after and thrived. I thought Impact for all their faults, was a great home for Eli Drake, gave him a lot of opportunities to improve, get better, and just stand out. And once he went heel, and I I thought he was a great asset to that company for as long as he was there for. Um, But even Eli Drake has mentioned before in other interviews that even after he left WWE, they were still calling him to bring him back in. Probably after Matt Bloom left. Uh, Not Matt Bloom. Why am I burying Tensai here? I meant to say... um, What's his name? The guy from fucking Hugh Morris. You know what I'm talking about. Why is his name escaping me right now? Uh, the guy that was on the 2011 season of Tough Enough. God, I, I, I don't remember his name, but Hugh Morris. We'll just call him Hugh Morris. Um, after he left, or got fired, rather, from WWE, he was kind of forced to resign after all the bad publicity that came out about him. You know, they, they came calling back to... E- e- I wanted to say Ethan Carter the third, Eli Drake. I don't know why it's so hard for me to say Eli Drake today. Uh, but the King Colin back saying, hey, we want you back. And he said no, just because Impact had a better schedule, better money at that time. So that would not surprise me if WWE wanted him back. And you know NXT, you know WWE. They want anyone who is anyone. They want everyone who is anyone right now. Anyone who is a name, they want them. So the other companies can't have them. Now, NWA really isn't much of a threat to WWE in 2019. But NWA snagging Eli Drake over AEW was a big move. And I don't know what the money's like. It doesn't really matter, honestly, to me, you, or anyone, except for him. Um, I think it's a great fit. Very happy to see Eli Drake in the NWA. Still using his Impact theme song, too, which I guess belongs to him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to use it. Um, But I thought that was cool. So, yeah, he cut a great promo here about how he had turned the entire NWA Ring of Honor pay-per-view on its head. And how he got everyone talking about Eli Drake. And the fact that he debuted in his native Maryland, I thought was even cooler. So, great stuff here. He and Magnus, Magnus, he and Nick Aldis went on a team against the Briscoe brothers on this same show. Uh, It went to a double countout. It was a good match, though. I enjoyed it. But I am looking forward to seeing what's next for Eli Drake in the NWA. And he could quite possibly have the NWA's World Heavyweight Championship in his sights before long. So also on the main card, we had Dalton Castle versus Dragon Lee. Good match. Honestly, probably one of the better Dalton Castle matches I've seen in a while. Um, the G1 Supercard match with Roosh went all of, what, 10 seconds, 15 seconds? So that really wasn't much of a match. I don't remember if he was at the 17th anniversary show. 
I want to say that he wasn't Dalton Castle. I don't remember him being on that show. He was at um, Final Battle in December. I was at that show. He faced Matt Taven. It was a good match. Not really great, but he's been very hurt for a while now. Dalton Castle's been on and off working through injuries in Ring of Honor for at least a year or two. And, um, you know, it's cool that he's recovering. He's getting better. He's back to his old form. Because I thought this was a great performance by not just Dragon Lee, but Dalton Castle, too. Good stuff here with the right result of Dalton Castle going over. Uh, The Allures, Angelina Love and Manda Leon took on Jenny Rose and WrestleRant Radio alum, the Women of Honor World Champion Kelly Klein, up next. Fine match. um, Easily the worst match on the show, in my opinion. They got... You know, a decent amount of time, but it really just wasn't that good. Um, I don't know if it was a lack of chemistry or just the allure's not that good. I know Angelina Love, yeah, she's a former Knockouts champion in Impact, but I was never the biggest Angelina Love fan. Velvet Sky is even worse, and I think she's a sweetheart. She's a real nice person in the ring. She's the drizzling shits. And Mandalione isn't exactly a uh, five-star wrestler either. Let's just put it that way. So this was kind of a painful match to watch. Had the right result, though. Angelina Love pinning Kelly Klein, which, I mean, maybe not the right result, but it does set up Angelina Love for a feature title shot if they want to go in that direction. In match number three in the best of three series between Kenny King and Jay Lethal, um, this was a great match. I very much enjoyed it. Kenny King went over to pick up the third and decisive fall in the best of three series. Kenny King has completely dominated this best of three series. Um, He won the first match. The second match, he lost by DQ, but only after attacking Lethal with a chair. So he kind of brought that upon himself. And then he won clean here. This was easily the biggest win of Kenny King's career. And Jay Lethal is currently set to challenge for the championship, the Ring of Honor World title, at the Manhattan Mayhem show in July. So I figured he would win here. But no, they gave the momentum and the win to Kenny King, which I thought was really cool. In a pure rules match, we had Silas Young versus Jonathan Gresham. Um, this was good. Probably went a little longer than it needed to. Um, it was the longest match on the card by my account, looking at Wikipedia right now, in almost 18 minutes. Um, it, it was a good match. I liked it for what it was. It may not be everyone's cup of tea with just the way that it was formatted and laid out. I liked the story they told. Gresham going down low, hitting Silas Young with a low blow. I thought to turn heel, but I guess not. It was really more so to give him a taste of his own medicine. I understood what they were going for, but it had a weird reaction. Because the crowd booed as they should have. Because they thought, you know, Gresham was going heel. Which I don't think he is, so I thought that was weird. I understood what they were doing and why they did that. I've been watching the feud. I just thought it was kind of a weird booking decision. Because I know, you know, Gresham's still a face. So unless they're turning Silas Young face, I'm not really sure what the point of that was. I already talked about the Briscoes versus Drake and all this. Uh, For the Ring of Honor World Television Championship, we had Shane Taylor taking on and successfully defending his title against Bandito. Um, This was a really fun match, and what I would call the match of the night. I thought these guys worked wonderfully together. The action was entertaining. It was exciting. The crowd was into it. Shane Taylor, as we talked to him last week here on the show, ahead of best in the world, um, he's come a long way in Ring of Honor from when he started two or three years ago, and he's become one to watch in the company, and this match was very much evident of that. I thought this was a great match with Taylor going over clean to retain his title. For the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Championship, we had the Villain Enterprises, consisting of Marty Skrull, PCO, and Brody King, taking on Lifeblood's Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams. Now, Wiki here is listing PJ Black as a member of Lifeblood. I don't know if that's official or not. I don't constitute officially PJ Black a member of Lifeblood. Um... But I, I don't know. I really haven't seen too much else on that, so I don't really know. But this was a great match. This was way better than I thought it would be. I thought it would purely be filler before the main event. And the only drawback to this was because it went so long and because the post-match angle went so long, they had like 10 minutes for the main event for the Ring of Honor World title match. So that was disappointing. Um, but it was an awesome match. I mean, I very much enjoyed this for what it was. These guys just went out there and put on a wrestling clinic. Um, a lot of great chemistry, action, you name it, this match had it. And then the post-match ran a little long too, but whatever. I thought it was a great match, so no complaints. But Villain Enterprises did walk out the, still, the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team Champions. And then afterward, as I talked about earlier, Flip Gordon was revealed to be the fourth newest member 
of Villain Enterprises. Marty Skrull's been on this mission for a while now to enlist a fourth member into the group. I don't know when Marty Skrull is leaving. I don't know when his contract is up. I mean, I guess he could end up staying if he really wants to. If Ring of Honor ended up offering him a big enough deal to stay in Ring of Honor, that's great, but I see him leaving. And I think that's going to happen after his contract reportedly expires in the next few months. Um, but yeah, great match, though. We get to the main event, Matt Taven versus Jeff Cobb. Now, Jeff Cobb was undefeated in singles competition coming into this match. He is the, uh, or challenging, Matt Taven is the Ring of Honor world champion. This was a bit of a disappointing match, to be honest with you. I was looking forward to this. I'm a big Jeff Cobb fan. I like Matt Taven a lot. Um, and I've interviewed him before. I've met both guys multiple times. Jeff Cobb is really nice, as is Matt Taven. I just thought this match could have been more than what it was. Um, and that's not their fault, you know, for the most part. I mean, I think they only really got 10 minutes. So they didn't really have enough time to go in there and, you know, light the world on fire. For what it was, it was a pretty good match. But far from, like, main event worthy. Far from world championship worthy. And the fact that Cobb got beat clean as a sheet, when you could have protected him in defeat with some sort of interference, which I fucking hate, don't get me wrong, but this was the wrong time to try to legitimize Matt Taven. Um, if you want to have the rest of the kingdom interfere, I figured that would be the case, and I figured this would be the time to do it, but they didn't even do that. Jeff Cobb didn't go down swinging, like he just had this great performance, and then he lost after like three finishers. No, he got beat clean as a sheet. And really, after one of Matt Taven's finishers, he hit it twice, but the first time was so bad, I don't even count it. So that kind of ended the show on a sour note for me. But overall, it was a very entertaining event, as was Fighter Fest on Sunday from AEW. Overall, a very well-rounded show. On the pre-show, we had the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, beating SCU, Scorpio Sky, and Frankie Kazarian, as well as Private Party in a three-way tag team match to earn a uh, first-round bid in the upcoming AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament that I think is going to kick off at All Out next month. Um, very fun match. I'm a big fan of Private Party. I think I talked about this last week here on the show while doing my AEW Fighter Fest uh, preview and predictions, that I've seen them compete you know, once before a few weeks ago at Northeast Wrestling, and they had a great showing on that show, and they're definitely going to be a team to watch, absolutely, but they're awesome. Allie versus Leva Bates. Uh, this match just did nothing for me. I'm not a big fan of the librarian shit uh, of Leva Bates and Peter Avalon. I'm just, I just think it's dumb. And the match was supposed to be Leva Bates and Kylie Ray. I don't know why it was changed. That was never acknowledged. Um, Allie did win. I'm happy with the result, but the actual match just left a lot to be desired for me. And then the hardcore match between Alex Jabaley and Michael Nakazawa. A lot of conflicting opinions on this match. Um, I know it was a complete joke of a match, but it was supposed to. I don't want to see this shit all the time. If it's a one and done, I'm fine with it. But they're playing off their history from a year ago at this CEO gaming convention, whatever it is. Um, Jabaley, considering he's not an active competitor, I thought did great here. Nakazawa with, like, the thong shit, I could see why someone like a Cornette would hate the shit out of that, <laughs> but, I mean, I got a kick out of it again, as long as they're not doing this every show, then I don't really care, um, he's a comedy guy, he's their version of fucking Santino Morella, it's not a big deal, I don't think Santino was putting thongs on his hand and other people's mouths while he was with WWE, but maybe he's, like, a PG-13 version of Santino Morella, but, uh, this was fine. I really did not take much of a... I didn't really have much of a problem with this, as many other people did. The opener saw Christopher Daniels take on Sima. I think it's Sima. I've heard other people say Chima. I, I don't know. Um, but I like this a lot. Uh, Sima ended up going over clean on Christopher Daniels, which only made sense. He is set to challenge Kenny Omega at the Fight for the Fallen show next Sunday. So it made sense for him to win here. So a great opener. I thought this was perfectly positioned as the first match on the show. Then we had women's action. Yuka, I can't pronounce her last name. I said this wrong last week too. Uh, Saka, Sekazaki? Again, I can't pronounce that for the life of me. Yuka, we'll just call her Yuka. Took on uh, Rio and Nyla Rose in a uh, three-way women's match. This was really good. Honestly, I like this match a hell of a lot more. Then the Joshi match a Double or Nothing and the four-way from Double or Nothing. Uh, Nyla Rose even honestly impressed me more here than she did at that pay-per-view. I thought she did very well here. 
Rio went over. That's the right result. I think she's a star on the rise. She is like, not to sound racist, but she reminds me a lot of Kyrie Sane. Um, she's really good. She stood out here. All three women had great showings, but I thought Rio had the best of them all, and I'm glad she won. Um, in a fatal four-way match, four-way, um, not elimination match, but a four-corner survival match, whatever you want to call it, between MJF, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy with Luchasaurus, and Adam Page. This was great. Adam Page ended up going over, um, as he should have, as he is currently set to contend for the AEW World title at All Out next month. Um, yeah, this was just a lot of fun. I thought Jimmy Havoc was really the only one of the four that didn't really stand out in any memorable way, but he's still good too. Jungle Boy, I think, had the best performance of them all. The guy, the, he, he is something special. I think Jungle Boy is is definitely going to be a star at some point in the not-so-distant future. And Luchasaurus, I love that whole act. I think it's great. Um, Adam Page, like I said, won the match. He had a great showing. MJF, just give him all the fucking titles right now. If you saw the post-match comments from MJF that Chris Van Vliet posted on his YouTube channel, you know this guy's going to be a star. If he isn't one already, he is incredibly entertaining. His pre-match promo, I honestly probably look forward more to his matches than I do his, or rather his promos than I do his matches. And he's a great in-ring competitor too, so that's saying something. But uh, this guy is going to be a top heel in no time. Easily the most despicable heel in all of wrestling right now. And he might give Tommaso Ciampa, might have given him a run for his money when Ciampa was still active, you know, six, seven, eight months ago. But for now, he is the best heel in all of wrestling. Cody and Darby Allen had a hell of a match. This was probably the best match on the show for me. Um, these guys went out there and had a 20-time limit draw, which AEW is bringing back. Now, I know Ring of Honor does it. I think Impact might do it. Um, a lot of companies do it except for WWE, so it's not just AEW. But I'm glad they utilized it here because now it puts in place that the time limits actually mean something that the matches could end in a draw if they want them to, which I think is really cool. It's a logical finish. It protects Darby Allen, who's actually the current NDW heavyweight champion, which is pretty cool. Um, obviously, he didn't come out with a belt here, but I'm glad he didn't lose. I'm glad Cody didn't lose. Coming off that match with Dustin, double or nothing, he's facing the Young Bucks with Dustin at Fight for the Fallen uh, in a couple weeks next Sunday. So he shouldn't have lost here either. I thought this was very well done. The actual match was fantastic. Now, the post-match stuff, I feel like that'll be remembered more. At least, I I fear that it will be. That'll be remembered more than the match itself and Darby Allen's performance here. Um, but it shouldn't be because the match was so excellent. Now, the post-match stuff, I love the idea of a Cody and Sean Spears feud. They've had history now for, for years, dating back to WWE's developmental territory. Um, Cody called Spears a great hand at a recent press conference or in an interview, whatever. And Sean Spears, according to his Twitter, kind of held on to that. So he's going to use that to his advantage and use that as a motivation for going heel on Cody. I think that's great. The only thing I didn't like about this was the fact, not even that he used a chair, but the fact that he hit him in the head. Now, people may be freaking out about this, but like in the way that people may be saying, oh, why are you worried so much about the performer's health? Like, that's their issue. It's his head. What a dumb thing to say. Such a stupid thing to say. They should ban chair shots to the head for all the shit that WWE gets. This is not among them. I think they did a great job. They were very smart to do what they did in banning chair shots to the head. Um, they're just not necessary. They were not necessary. They are a detriment to the health of the performers. And I'm, I'm glad they're done away with in WWE. Now, the Young Bucks tried to defend the spot, and they were kind of talking down to the reporter, at least in my opinion, from what I saw in the interview, the, the video, whatever. Like, oh, of, of course it was gimmicked. Like, you think we go out there and do that? Like, no, you fucking idiot. It wasn't gimmicked. Like, I understand what they're saying. Like, his head was supposed to have a certain part of the chair where it either wouldn't hurt or bust him open. Clearly, him getting busted open was not part of the plan. No shit. But just don't do it anyway. Yeah, it was a different story 20 years ago when they did it relentlessly in the Rock and Mankind match, which even now, if you go back and watch, is honestly uncomfortable to see, knowing what we do now about concussions and even Mick Foley's own health. I just think it was really dumb to have done that. And it's still stupid 20 years later. 
So I don't want to hear. I mean, I guess if if you're if you didn't mind it, that's one thing. If you're defending Cody over it or Sean Spears, whoever ideas it was, probably Cody's. To be honest with you, if, you know, if what we've seen from his is any indication, he's a very smart guy. But when it comes to stuff like this and pushing the envelope and stuff like that, I'd rather they didn't. There's other ways of doing that without putting the health of the performers in jeopardy. Now I know it was himself, but still, I just thought that was really fucking stupid. It looked like an ugly-ass spot. Um, it didn't sound great at all. And I know it put heat on Sean, and that's awesome. But again, there's other ways of doing that than what they did here. Um, I just think it makes AEW come off really poorly if they're going to, oh, we're going to do what WWE wouldn't. And that's great, but when it comes to stuff like this, I'd rather they stuck with it. I'd rather they stick to what WWE does and not do the same shit that has hurt the health of the performers for a long time now. But other than that, the match itself was great, like I said. Six-man tag team match, the elite Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, uh, beat the trio of the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, and their partner, Laredo Kid. Um, This was every bit as exciting and as fun as you would expect it to be. I thought this was tremendous. Just a lot of great action, awesome pace, the crowd was into it. Might have been my favorite match of the night, like I said, and then Cody and Darby, there's a difference. Might have been the best match of the night, my personal favorite, the one that I got the most enjoyment out of, was probably this one for all the obvious reasons, of it just being an absolute war. I thought this was great. Um, The Elite did this tribute to, uh, God, uh, what is it? The Fighter. The Fighter, the fucking, I don't know anything about games. Um, Combat, I'm going to look it up right now, I'm a piece of shit. Um... Mortal, Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat. I'm a moron. I didn't even have to look that up. I was going to. But Mortal Kombat. Now, I know I'm a moron for forgetting about that, but you have to realize here, I'm not a big gamer. And if I don't have these things written down in front of me, I honestly forget. So, please pardon. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be excused for that, but because it was a pretty obvious fuck up. But anyway, moving on. The actual match was cool. Uh, the Elite went over. Meaning the Lucha Bros need a big win. I figured the Elite would win. I don't know who I said in my official predictions last week. But the Lucha Bros need a big win, so hopefully it comes it all out. Right, fight for the Fallen. Hopefully they become the new AEW World Tag Team Champions by beating the Young Bucks in the finals. That's the only result that makes sense here because they've now gone 0-2 on these shows. They need a big win to rebound. And if not, they could, I don't know, damage will be done, but they need a credible victory to establish themselves as a threat in the tag team division. The main event was, again, every bit as fucking crazy as you can imagine. A non-sanctioned match between John Moxley and Joey Janela, this was just unbelievable, um, to say the least. This was completely unbelievable. But, like, I enjoyed it. If other people don't, I completely understand. Um, it, it, it's whatever. But I personally liked it for what it was. Um, they went all out here and just beating the holy shit out of each other with some crazy-ass weapons. Uh, weapons, Ladders, chairs, tables. You would have thought this was a fucking TLC match if they had the WWE banner under the ring. Uh, on the apron, tables, ladders, chairs, thumbtacks, all this other crazy ass shit, um, barbed wire, so yeah, I, I like this match a lot, again, I don't need to see this in every show, but considering who was involved, I thought it was only appropriate they put on this type of extreme matchup, obviously more extreme than anything you'll see at the actual Extreme Rules pay-per-view in a couple short weeks, but whatever, I love the main event, and John Moxley, I must say Joey Janela, John Moxley went over, only to be attacked by Kenny Omega afterward, to set up their match for All Out in a few short months. So, as expected, I ended up going way over time with my review of Best in the World and Fighter Fest. Um, ultimately, I probably should have spent a little less time on that, more on Raw and SmackDown, but here's what you need to know. Raw and SmackDown, SmackDown didn't really care much for this week, I thought it was an alright show, Raw was much better. Um, not a great show, but better than it has been in a long time. Here's what's happening, though. Paul Heyman, Eric Bischoff, as I said at the start of the show, are the new executive directors of Raw and SmackDown Live, respectively. This news broke legit last Thursday, right after I published this show. So I'm like, well, fuck it, I can't go back now. Might as well wait till next week. Because there were a lot of people putting up podcasts and, and whatever about it. I figured, you know what, fuck it, I'll just wait. And see how it plays out. And I'm glad I did so I could see the influence they had on Raw and SmackDown before I break down the news. I think it's a great move. Now, am I fully in favor of bringing in people from 20, 25 years ago to run these shows? Probably not. But at the same time, 
it's an indication that this company knows there's a problem and that something needs to change. Raw and SmackDown have been so bad now for so long. And it's not even an issue of, oh, it's been bad for a week. Like this was the worst episode I've ever seen. Or it's been bad for even a month. It's been bad for close to a year. And they've had issues well before that. But really, Raw has been atrocious since like late last year, I would say. And even before that, it was not lighting the world on fire. There's just way... The cons about these shows, the cons, like the negatives of Raw, outweigh the positives nowadays. It got better this week. Um, but I think putting someone new in charge, regardless, I mean, I don't want to say regardless of who it was, because if it was Vince Russo, I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what a lot of people would have done. I think Jim Cornette would have fucking had a heart attack and died that day. Uh, so thankfully that didn't happen. But Heyman, Bischoff, two great wrestling minds. If you're going to put anyone in charge of these shows to have as much creative control as they can possibly have um, while Vince McMahon is still in the picture that aren't named Triple H, I think these are your guys. So hopefully it results in great things for Raw and SmackDown. Were the shows dramatically different, better this week? SmackDown, absolutely not. The only different thing I saw on SmackDown than normal was the fact that Kofi flipped off Samoa Joe in their face-off. I thought that was actually a great segment. Um, A lot of great verbiage there, but I don't think that was the brilliance of Eric Bischoff. And if Eric Bischoff completely wrote that entire show, then I think we're in trouble because that show is not that good. Too much talking. No, no, Kevin Owens went like face at the end, and that was kind of cool. But beyond that, the show is pretty, uh, pretty throwaway. Raw, I thought, was actually a better show than usual, if only for the opening and closing segments. The first one being the uh, Falls Count Anywhere match between Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman, a match I could not have given two shits about when the show started, just because the feud has been on ice for weeks, months now. But they made me care. They went out there and beat the shit out of each other all around the arena before Braun shoulder-checked Bobby Lashley through the pyro, not the pyro, the uh, screen, the electronic wall that people, you know, you see when people walk out from the back. Right through that wall. We've seen it before, like at Extreme Rules 2013, when uh, Ryback did it to John Cena. Um, that was pretty cool. But it was also awesome here. I mean, they went over the top with it with all the pyrotechnics and electronic shit and the fire and whatever. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, like, we had to have all those pyrotechnics. But I thought the camera angles, even Corey Graves saying holy shit, which you never hear on Raw. Maybe before, but I have not heard that on Raw for as long as I've been watching for the last 11 years. I thought that was a nice touch to make it feel real and to make it feel like, okay, this is not scripted. Um, I thought it was great. I thought it was really well done. The angle was excellent. We need more of that. Not every week. We don't need like that specifically on every show, but we need that type of difference, that type of different feel to these shows that they are, that they are oh so sorely lacking. Because Raw and SmackDown have been so form your fucking leg for so long now. They need a shot in the arm. And this could be it. Paul Heyman taking the reins of Raw could be exactly what we needed. Now, a month from now, six months from now, maybe nothing will change. But it's worth a shot. So after what I saw in Raw between the opening segment, the closing segment, I don't know if he had everything to do with that Raw. I would assume not. But I don't want to say, oh, Paul Heyman only wrote the good parts of Raw and then Vince was in charge of the bad parts of Raw. We have no fucking clue. I... I'm almost positive he was in, uh, responsible for that opening segment with Strowman and Lashley. I'm almost, you know, uh, sure of it. The other parts of the show, I have no idea. The Canelo stuff, no clue. The main event, I have no idea. Um, but the main event stuff I thought was good. Ricochet, AJ Styles, part two for the United States Championship. Another good match. Last week was better. Uh, after the, they, they do the dumb restarts now with all the, with, with the new edict being that, oh, there can't be any wrestling during commercial breaks. So they, they do this stupid shit now where they go to commercial after having the match restart um, or they, you know, have it end in like a no contest or a DQ. It's so dumb. It's so fucking stupid. I hate when they do that. I really hate when they do that. It's already gotten old and it's only been two or three weeks. But they did that this week after the commercial break, after the match was restarted. It was good. I liked it for what it was. Uh, Ricochet retained. Then AJ went heel on Ricochet and reunited with the club. I think that's awesome. It's a great use of all three guys. I'm excited to see where it goes. And if nothing else, it's something new, refreshing, and different at the top of the card on Raw. Now, I know it's not the world title picture. That's still being occupied by Rollins and Corbin, which has been going on for God knows how long. 
But these guys have headlined Raw for two straight weeks. I think it's a great opportunity for Ricochet to impress against a top established star. It gives Styles something new to do, who's been kind of doing much of nothing for uh, for most of 2019. Gallows and Anderson, God forbid, they're finally on the show. I think that's awesome, especially if they've re-signed. Good for them. If they're getting if they're making more money than they were before. And then the United States Championship, I think, is being lost in all of this. It's finally being elevated to a point where I care about the feud over the championship. Now, I think Joe and Ricochet and Joe and Mysterio did a good job of that, but Ricochet and, and AJ is now main eventing Raw two weeks in a row. That's big. So, again, um, we'll, we'll, we'll see where this stuff goes with Heyman, with Bischoff. Will the shows ultimately benefit? Time will tell. I would love to think that they will, but let's not poop on it until we see how it plays out. And that's going to do it, guys, for WrestleRant Radio here today, the Independence Day edition. Thank you guys for taking your time, taking time out of the holiday to listen to the show. Very much appreciate it. Or maybe you're listening to this the next day, a couple days down the road, year down the road. Who knows? But either way, appreciate the time nonetheless. Uh, Like I said at the start of the show, the next couple weeks will be very, very exciting with what we have on tap. Next week, my interview, very likely I think I'll put it up, my interview with former WWE ring announcer and current cage announcer for the Professional Fighters League, Lillian Garcia. Now, I know you know who that is. Uh, we spoke for Daily DDT last week. The, inter- the article is up now on the website. The interview is going up next week, the audio version, here on WrestleRant Radio, talking about her time in WWE, working WrestleMania, Evolution, her new venture in the PFL. Uh, we had a great talk for about 30 minutes. So that'll be up in full length here on WrestleRant Radio next week. Two weeks, we have my interview, my exclusive interview, um, as it will be up in article form, hopefully in the next few days on Daily DDT, with the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the National Treasure, Nick Aldis, while I'm away in England. And then the following week, three weeks from now, uh, another exclusive interview with former WWE superstar Ryback, and one of my all-time inspirational icons, one of my favorite wrestlers. So it was great to talk to him for over an hour easily, and unquestionably, the longest interview I've ever done. And it was great. The time flew by. So that'll be up in three weeks uh, on the 18th and 25th, respectively. And then after that, even more interviews going up here on the show for like weeks after that. I already have an interview scheduled for July 31st, I want to say, from right after I get back. So we have even more interviews coming to WrestleRant Radio in the remainder of this summer. And hopefully we can have RJ back on to do previews and predictions and picks for TakeOver Toronto 2 over SummerSlam weekend. So with all that being said, guys, you can check out new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, first on nextdaywrestling.net, but not only on there, on iTunes. If you just simply search up WrestleRant Radio on the Apple Podcast app, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, you get every new episode on Thursdays and every archived episode dating back to October of 2013. You can check out new episodes also on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, um, I think I said Spotify, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeart. I felt like there was something else. I thought there was another website. I'm just not thinking it right now. It's all on the website. If you're listening to this on nextdaywrestling.net, all the links are down below for where you can listen to this episode and all the other episodes of WrestleRant Radio. So thank you for your continued support of the show. And as for me, you can check me out on the social medias, on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, and also on YouTube at YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Matthews. So with all that being said, guys, enjoy the rest of your 4th of July. Have a very patriotic holiday. If you're living outside the U.S., have an awesome rest of your Thursday. I'm Graham GSM Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road. 